My mama would say, you gotta fight for what is right. To her I would say, I wanna give back the world some light. Mm-hmm. But it's an empty road, I feel so Patriots, and it's Wednesday, February 7th in the year 2024. We're going to start out with just a general statement here, and it's really quite simple. If you know somebody or if you're listening and you have not come to Jesus, it's time. This is really a very critical time. There was some, there's an increasing number of posts, including the Tucker Carlson interview that's about ready to come out, I guess, later today. And the bottom line is that the urgency of the hour and the criticality of our world is not going to allow for much more room for people to find a convenient place to repent and to come to Jesus. These are going to get to be a very trying times. 
And it's our duty and responsibility, obviously, as part of our commission, at least as far as I see the world, that we need to be literally walking in that place where we're bringing people to the gospel of Jesus and doing everything we can to use those authorities given to us to bring and manifest the miracles of God before their living eyes. But it is a critical time in which we live. The prophetic dreams are spreading. People are seeing things. They're seeing, they're reporting these dreams of, of a lot of disruption. And it's far beyond what we would consider to be the conventional prophetic. This is where God is speaking now to many and many are sharing them. And it's time to take these things seriously. And it's not time to fear. It's time to double down. If you consider yourself part of that remnant, then it means we have to reach out more and reach more people. And it's just that simple because what's going to come is likely to shake everything the way we've known it. I don't like making predictions and projections like that. I've never been one to do it, except in this hour, everything is lining up. And the end result, when I say things like this, I always look at the downside of what happens if you say something like this and you're wrong. And if I was saying to people, go dig, live in a bunker, the consequences of that would be significant because you would be separating yourself from a life, a life you'd be advising people to do something that in the end would likely cause them financial harm and mental and spiritual harm as well. But fundamentally, we're not even talking about that. We're talking about ramping up the intensity of focus of getting people to understand the importance of the book, the word of God, to get anchored in that and to find their way to Jesus. We're talking about rapture, not rapture. We're talking about salvation. And we're talking about saving souls and doing so with a revival of a nation that sparks at the most local levels. And that's what we're talking about. So if all of these senses of, of prophetic words that are coming out of people and all these dreams that people are having that are feeling this push, if all that ends up being nothing and everybody comes closer to Christ, we win. But if it ends up being real and we haven't done our job, we become the watchers on the wall and the blood is on our hands. And this is just a very real moment in time for us to get a gut check and decide, you know, what are you in this for? And what are you here for? Because if it's just about someone being in it for themselves, we've long, that train's left the station. We're not interested anymore. We have a society that's deeply damaged by this fax. And there's people out here that are never going to come out of this cult. And you have to accept that as well. You have to understand that this cult programming is deep. It has caused enormous harm and wounding. And the likelihood of many people, of the mass amount of people suddenly have a sudden wake up is slim. There is one thing that could do it. One. It's not war. It's not some fake space alien invasion. It's not even the economy. The one thing which we've prayed on and we will continue to pray on is that at a moment in time, Everybody across this world has an encounter, meaning in dream, waking dream, physical presence, something in the heart that stirs them to the understanding who Jesus is. 
or at least experience the moment of where the powerful love overcomes them, the love of Christ overcomes them, to understand what forgiveness and love is. If they can understand that and have that encounter, this world changes in, on a dime. Other than that, there's really not much to break these people from this cult. Even finances, sadly, if we see a rupture in the economy, it ends up being really a remnant and those beyond the on the perimeter of the remnant that will be able to understand the threat of that and prepare. The rest of them will literally turn to the government and say, fix it. These are the same people that accept that post-COVID, it's normal for people to have sudden dropping dead in the middle of the street or that people passing out suddenly is, no new, is the new normal. Getting another shot with stacked vaccines for this new X threat that they're making up is normal. They believe in a world where big pharma is their friend. I need you to think about that for a minute because these people aren't afraid of big pharma. They're turning to big pharma for more. This injection that was leveled against society, this bioweapon, is more destructive, pernicious in what it does in the body than anything we can comprehend. It's using technology that Kerry Madej referred to as alien technology. I would use it as fallen technology and say that it's of the devil. It's things that they have never seen before. Things that they've conjured up in the darkest of labs that are run by the darkest of minds, which means that they're pulling in the darkest of spirits and demons to build it. So you're not going to pull them out easily. And we can give them the seeds. Like I say, you can show them the way. Because at a certain point, if there is a great shaking in the world, at a God level, there will be no question. And I think that what we're not really seeing yet and not appreciating it is the magnitude of the wrath of God. I'm not saying that this is going to be like something that, I'm not really looking towards an event like Sodom and Gomorrah or even towards a, something equivalent to the flood. I think that the ramping up of events, when everything around people begins to fall apart and nothing they've ever had before or relied on is now working, that's a measure of wrath, that everything falls apart. And in there's no question that everything is about ready to fall apart. What keeps it afloat is going to end up being a bit of a mystery. But the reality is that we're, we're rapidly ratcheting up towards what we've known was going to happen, which is some form of a global war. Because the global war is what covers their, their trail. It what erases their histories. You know, what allows these elites to get away with everything. And we still have to recognize that there is still a mighty force and power here that has a lot of tools of war. And, and there is, it isn't just here. We are the center of gravity for this deep state evil. And with this, there is a real issue that this, these elites have truly built a world that is around us that's completely false. We like to identify ourselves as Americans, as Canadians do Canadians, as Australians, Australians, and so forth. 
but those only exist by the partitioning up of the world for the convenience of the elite to keep the cattle, which is us, within the boundaries of their grazing fields, which is the borders, for us to believe in false idols, which would be our flags and leadership, for us to be led astray and to hate one another. That's what has happened. So when you look around and you see this world and you identify harshly by borders, understand that at this point in time, the only thing the borders are until we have proper leadership are containment fields. And even then, those borders aren't working, so the flooding in of people is about stirring up the herd in the field. And look at yourself that way. We, are, we have been divided out as different types of herds. We'll call Americans the Angus. And when we go up north, we have other breeds of cattle. And we go down south, there's other breeds of cattle. And they're allowing these breeds now to, to flow freely across the grazing. But the problem is that certain breeds are very territorial. They don't want, they don't want their areas disrupted. And they're doing just that because they're forcing in a crossbreeding to try to cross-pollinate and to change the societies. They control the borders. They control the game. They control the game board. They control the grid structures. And why do they control it? Because people believe in the lie that's been put before them. If we were truly patriot Americans in this nation, as a nation, there's no possible way that border would remain open right now. Ask yourself a question. It's one I ask every day. That border on Texas, why is there not a million Texans standing on that border armed and shutting it down? Why? I mean, we, we can talk about the 300 million people in this country, and there's plenty of able and willing males, apparently, to pick up their guns and go down there and fight, but they're not there. It's a Texas border. Why are there not a million Texans standing on that border, shutting it down. Because the lie of the government is that the government is a, a representative of the people. And the lie of the government is that it, because of that, the people don't want the border shut down. So we must debate these things to have one side argue and the other side argue to find a solution to a border problem while the border remains open. And yet, Nobody does anything. We have, a, we have a cognitive dissonance in this country that is beyond imagination. It's rooted so much in the principles of the lack of faith in our world and the lack of scripture in our daily life. There is a deep inoculated fear in our nation. And it's fear for real because people like to talk big, but they don't like to do things. I hear this frequently from people, even people I know. I was made for a time like this. This is the war I was born for. And I say, okay, then what are you doing? Are you taking a real risk? Are you, what are you doing to put your words into action? 
And most of the time that you'll get some version of this, I'm doing something. I'm building an app. I'm writing a book. I'm going to, it's all deflection. Because the true sense of what it is to be a male and a, a man in this country has been completely neutered. Ask yourself and ask any, any man that you know, seriously, when's the last time you killed something? And I don't mean illegally. Like, when's the last time you went hunting and shot something? When's the last time you butchered an animal and put your hands in the blood? Because everything changes once you touch the blood. There is a ministry up in Canada, way up north, that runs its ministry through a butcher shop, a butchery, not a butcher shop, but a butchery, meaning they teach their ministry through the killing of animals and the butchering of animals. The gift of what God gives us and the process of stewarding what is before them. That ministry has, it's powerful. People literally come out of that, like baptized in fire, speaking in tongues, the whole thing. We find that very primitive, very Old Testament. And so in this new proper world of the New Testament, we try to, like, that's not something Jesus would do. It went on in Jesus' time. How do you think people ate? It's more convenient at this point in time to go to the grocery store and get our meat and then dream about going hunting than really getting our hands in the blood. So when we take that away from men and they have that experience separated from them, they get shaped by a world that's channeled through information media, imaginations, hunting stores where you buy cool gear but you may not use it. You got a lot of guns, but how many times do you shoot them? It's one of my big arguments to big gun collections. It's not, there are, and I'm not hitting everybody, but when people just collect guns, I'm like, okay, well, how many times do you get to shoot each one? Some people just like to collect stuff. It's not my problem. That's cool. And I get it. But the question is, when do you get to actually shoot each one? How precision are you with each weapon? When is the last time you've used it? When are you going to use it for real to kill an animal, for hunting, to provide meat for your table? These sorts of realities now are out of touch with where we are. Because in this world, our daily grind doesn't require that. How many people are raising their own, their own animals to also butcher their own animals? And to bring food to the table. And it's one of these things that... We start when people start to get to that place. Many times you'll hear this, like, "Well, I'd, I'd like to run a garden." That's fine. Do that too. You should. But men need to be doing these things that literally spark that fire within them because it does. Once you touch the blood, it lights a fire within you. It changes you. And it's there that we need men. We are literally in a moment in time. that our country is coming to the realization of what has happened in a digital age. The neutering, the removal of strength, and then with that comes this world that is so stovepiped and so driven by information channeling and propaganda 
that we, we're having a hard time seeing across the boundaries to see who we are as a nation and to really get into the core. What is, what is a risk in somebody's life these days? What is it that you risk if you stand out and you speak the truth? J6, January 6th, has shaken this nation more than I ever realized until recently. People are afraid to assemble. People are afraid of consequence. Hat tip to every single person that went to Texas because they overcame that fear and they stood there with Holy Spirit and they did that. We stand with a book. It's called the Bible and it's many different forms, meaning the many different versions. The one that sits on my desk every day, the one I read from, the Founder's Bible. NASB 1995 edition. I also read AMP. I don't care what version you read. My point is, those words that are there are words that tell us who we are. Those words that are there are telling us what our authorities are in this world. And it's interesting because I read through this Bible and I say, Father, where, where, is my, where does it say that I'm some, I need to have a big gun collection and I'm looking for it and I don't find it? And I say, Father, where does it say in here that I, I need to take a sword of steel and wage war against evil and kill them all, every one of them. And I read selective events in here that say that at certain points, God has said that there is a decisive moment when he will lead his people, his, the hands of the few that he selects, the, the special elite that he's selected through a long process of, of selection, that he'll lead a few of them to do some very egregious things in our terms, but powerful things because he needs certain evil eradicated. Joshua, David, and what follows on after killing Goliath, Gideon, and then what follows on after the horns are blown and the demons are unsettled. We see the wars with Noah on the mountain. I get it. But as a general rule, what goes on in here is greater than anything. We see we see this event that happens when people are finally pushed to the point of extinction under Esther. And we see how God uses one to finally give the authorities for the people to defend themselves. And they do, by the way. And not only did they defend themselves, they eradicate that evil. And God gives that blessing. Which interesting to note that not one time in Esther, Esther is the only book that not one time is God actually mentioned. It's the understanding of what his authorities are. So as we go through this and then we start to look at what our role is and we come back to something like peacemaker, Matthew 5, 9, where the peacemakers are the sons of God. What does peacemaker look like? And in the modern way, peacemaker, which is I think become very convenient for people, is a peacemaker means that I can vote in the right person that will take care of things. And if things get really corrupted, I can vote in somebody else. I don't have to have any accountability for this. And when the, the state gets out of control, if I just kind of mind my own business and not worry about things, it'll blow over or I'll just get through this life. And yep, I've accepted Jesus and that's good. I went to church a couple of times when I was young, still go a couple of times now when I have a chance and I'll do as often as I can on Sunday, but I'm busy, but I'm, I'm just going to hold my line and I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that my mortgage is paid and my credit credit score stays high. And I want to make sure that my kids have a, a comfortable life and I want to 
I don't want to get into the news too much because it's difficult to talk about at the family table and it doesn't make goodness for friends when I'm at work. And I'm not going to, I don't like when people talk religion too much because it makes me uncomfortable because I, I just don't want to, I don't want to have to talk about that in the public space. So what I just like to talk about are things like the sports game, which I really enjoy because that's a great idolatry that I have in my life. I like to worship my team. I buy the jerseys. I go get the season tickets. And if I can't, I'll sit here in front of pay-per-view and watch it. Love MMA fights because as a man, that makes me feel good because I dream of doing that. I'll go to the gym once in a while. I might even get part of an MMA club. Might do a couple things like this. But in the end of the day, I just need to mind my own business and kind of hang out on the weekends and do whatever. God bless America. And in the meantime, there is literally a country that is falling apart and the future of our children are being destroyed. And the more that these people push, you start to realize that the more that we want only one thing, they literally want your kids and the kids of this nation for their own feeding. Every time you see an LGBTQ pedophile flag, you need to understand that that's a symbol of occupation. Person did a piece the other day walking down the halls of DC in our, in our capital and how many LGBTQ flags are flying outside of congressional rooms, meaning congressmen. These are states of occupation is what that is a statement of. We are being occupied by the freaks, by the demons, by the possessed. That's what this is. These people are of, literally, of a reprobate mind. God puts it out very clearly in Romans 1, 18 to 32. Unbelief and its consequences. It's quite interesting. For God does not overlook sin, and the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who in their wickedness suppress and stifle the truth, because that which is known about God is evident within them, in their inner consciousness. This is AMP. That's a bracketed, that bracketed piece to expand the meaning of that. It's very important of what that word means. In their inner consciousness, they know. For God made it evident to them. For ever since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature, he have have been clearly seen, being understood through his workmanship, in brackets, all his creation, the wonderful things that he has made, so that they will, so that they who fail to believe and trust in him, in brackets, are without excuse and without defense. This world has taken his creation and caused, turned it into an, a Darwinian nightmare. This is the, if you want to look at where Darwinism attacks, it's right here. An invented science, an invented religion to try to take away the glory of God so that people can look at that here and say, that's not God. That's an amoeba soup that started that. That's some sort of primordial soup with stardust that came down and started all this. That wasn't God. And yet, and miss the perfection of design and the perfection of all how things work. Somehow they think that if you take the right little pieces of of primordial soup and you sprinkle them on the ground, that it will all magically grow and there's no creation or power creator behind it. Even though they knew God as the creator and did not honor him as God or give thanks 
for his wondrous creation. On the contrary, they became worthless in their thinking, godless with pointless reasoning and silly speculations, that's in brackets, and the foolish heart was darkened. Should sound a lot like today. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory and majesty and excellence for the immortal God of the immortal God for an image, worthless idols, in brackets, in the shape of mortal men and birds and four-footed animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over to the lusts of their own hearts, to sexual impurity, so that their bodies would be dishonored among them, abandoning them to the degrading power of sin, because they, because by choice they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the cre- creature rather than the creator, who blessed, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading and vile passions. For their women exchanged the natural function of that which is unnatural, in brackets, a function contrary to nature. And in the same way, also, the men turned away from their natural function of the woman and were consumed with the desire towards one another when men with men committing Man, men with men committing shameful acts in return, receiving their own bodies the inevitable, receiving in their own bodies the inevitable and appropriate penalty for their wrongdoing. In other words, homosexuality. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God or consider him worth knowing as their creator, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do things which are improper and repulsive until they were filled, permeated, saturated with every kind of unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, and mean-spiritedness. They are gossips, spreading rumors, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of new forms of evil, disobedient and disrespectful to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful, without pity, although they know God's righteous decree and his judgment, because that goes back to the comment that we all know it in our consciousness, that those who do such things deserve death, yet they not only do them, but they even enthusiastically approve and tolerate others who practice them. That passage defines where we are in this day. Romans one eighteen to 32. And it is an incredible passage when we look and reflect on where we are today. So as we walk in this world and we see these people out here and we understand that our country itself is, it's been hamstrung. We have lost the strength of our family. It's been to the, as a large perspective. Now, I'm not speaking to individuals. If you have a powerful family, strong family, God bless you. And we're going to, we'll pray for that. But the fact of the matter is, as a collective whole in this nation, the family has been broken. Divorce rates are off the charts. We've replaced marriage of men and women as normal with a sideline that the new marriage of normal is between a man and a woman between a man and a man, a woman and a woman, or worse, between some fool that whacked off his weenie and is now calling himself a woman. 
inversion has become the standard. And the problem I say with all this is the question again that comes down and again and again is, where is the objection? Why do we tolerate it? Why as a public do we stand out for it? What are we afraid of? What is it that we're afraid to do? Are we afraid to offend? Who are we offending greater? These people? Or are we really holding ourselves accountable to God? Our churches, literally to put an LGBTQ flag in their church or on their property, they have now been occupied and taken over by Satan. There is, there's no middle ground here. When a church stands up, and I was in one, in, I was attending one in, in Houston, when literally, and it's a sizable church, Literally, the pastor got up and made the argument to the people that they needed to open their doors to LGBTQ and start understanding their way and bringing them in. Look, I get you want to do some outreach, go into the community, pray for them, bring them in. But this whole idea is bringing everybody in so we have one big fold and body of Christ. We can all give each other a hug and a love and say, it's okay. I understand that you believe that you are the wrong gender. That's okay. We'll accept you. I'm not walking that path. I'm just going to be clear. I'm not walking that path. I'll be glad to pray with a person and pray for healing. I'll be glad to go to that person and say, look, you've got demons. We're going to work with you. I'll do deliverance. But see, when you take the, the church of Acts out of play and you remove healing and you remove deliverance and you remove the principles of raising the dead, walking in the prophetic or the apostolic, the fivefold ministry, when you take that out of the church and it becomes nothing more than words and doctrine and you don't want to read what Christ did, you're no longer preaching the Bible. You're preaching some version out here that's out here for making filling pews and putting money in the offering plate so that you've got an, a pastoral staff that can do their, quote, research and have their good little ministry vacations. The hard work is to holding the line with Scripture. And the hard work is preaching that gospel and saying things and presenting messages even when it's uncomfortable. After Bard's Fest, the image, the word that God put on my heart, the importance of this word was the, the idea of restoring the family to the very root. That message carried on with the principles of men getting vasectomies. It was the idea of what the practices were in the bedroom. Nothing that everybody likes to hear. They all want to do this. And it caused a tremendous amount of blowback. People arguing with me that there's no scriptural foundation for what you say, that you can give your opinion, but it can't be that of God. Well, that's interesting because God put that word in my heart to speak. So where do we go? We do what we're called to do. And if our calling is always to make sure that the numbers stay up, that we, we continue to see those numbers grow of followers and people in the pew, then I would say that if that's our objective, then we miss the message of Jesus. Because it never was about that. It was about doing what the right thing was in terms of what God put on our heart. And if we're going to speak that message and say that it was of God, we better be sure that it was of God. Because otherwise, as a false prophet that speaks of God, that says things that is not of God and declares them of God, that punishment is death. That's, I believe that's in Deuteronomy. We have to take these things seriously. But nonetheless, it is our objective and our role now to listen to what our God is putting on our heart. Each one of us needs to be seeking that, that message that he needs us to speak. Because this is an hour when we are literally faced in a critical move of, of a big shift in a, in a threshing that's happening. And we're seeing it. We saw the few 
that went to the border. God bless them. We've seen the few that stood up in the military. We have 1.4 million people in our standing military. I want you to think about what I'm going to say here. 1.4 million people in our standing military. 231 of them put their name on a letter. Some of them, were like myself, are veterans. We're not in the military anymore. 231 people put their name on a letter to call for accountability for the entire force of the military. Where's the rest? Where's the courage? When we start to see those groups, we start to realize what God is doing is he's building his, metaphorically speaking, his Gideon armies. When you look at what's on the border, when you look at what happened there, when you look at some of these revivals that are happening around the country or actions that are retaken by small groups of people to wake up America, to bring this country back to a revival, to turn its, its eyes back to God that and return ourselves to an age of accountability. All of those voices have a chorus of saying the same thing. No one is calling for violence. The only ones speaking violence have the demonic on their heart. We are all calling for the same thing, accountability and justice. And through the processes of justice, there may be a moment that God tells us to raise our hand in a sort of steel. That may be. And there may be those that literally by the process of justice, by the laws that are anchored in that justice, may call for their punishment that would result in their death. Like treason, like crimes against humanity, like the crimes about violating and destroying children. But no one in this group is calling for violence because everyone's walking with the same place. They're walking in Holy Spirit. And we're understanding that the first line of defense, the first attack that we have against an enemy, where we turn our offense, our offense, our campaign into an offensive, are the words of God. They're powerful to speak that word of Jesus into people's lives. I would be curious, and it's just, it's a random thought. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's more than that this morning because it's something that just came pretty hard, but we'll leave it at that for now. But what would it be if every person that has Christ in their heart walked up to somebody who was of this alternate culture, a woke culture, which we know in the end of the day, their hearts are lonely and empty. It's consistent. Part of what happens is they get a bitterness. It's, it's truly trauma that has happened in their life. They have doubt of what their world is like. They have fear that's rooted into there. And they have a pain and an inner wounding that hasn't been healed. And those things coming together create a perfect storm for a demonic stronghold within their lives. And this world that we are looking at becomes one really more of demonic than it becomes of flesh because what we're witnessing are this, we have to separate the sin from the sinner. So what would happen if every single time we saw somebody or engage with somebody of an alternate culture, an alternate way of thinking, an alternate ideology, an alternate religion that's of that of this consumed woke culture, if we simply spoke Jesus into them, what would happen? I think it'd be kind of fun, actually. I'd probably, we'd probably see more manifestations of demons than you ever imagined. It'd be a circus show on steroids. And it'd be worthy. But the idea of seeding fear in our culture, it's fear is a true root of things. And fear is the agent of, the, of this deep state. And unfortunately, whatever they've done with these injections, people have become locked into another, almost like another realm. 
And so the only tool that we have effectively to get to people is prayer. And prayer then breaks down into its very various functions of what we can do with prayer. Prayer can generate inner healing. Prayer can deliver somebody from the demonic control. Prayer can heal physical wounds and, and, and through the, our authorities given to us in Christ, prayer can raise the dead. Through prayer, we can achieve the, uh, pro, the prophetic. Through prayer, we can receive the apostolic. So the center point to all of things that we are centers on a single action, which is prayer. And if we're going to empower and energize prayer, then we go to the word of God. And therefore, we become the peacemakers. And we see the power of prayer. We see the power of what it can do. Jesus is the testimony of the of a living, walking, our God living and walking in human form and flesh as man, using prayer and his process of prayer in the many forms to literally transform lives and give witness to miracles and the power of what can happen through Holy Spirit. We spend a lot of time trying to axe ourselves around with knives and, and machetes in, in, in within the church because one pulpit says one thing and one pulpit says another, but ultimately the only message that counts is are we walking a church that does what Jesus does? That's that simple. Are we trying to achieve what Jesus did? Are we trying to walk that path? And are we trying to take the lessons of both the Old and the New Testament and put that into that walk to understand that our God is great, our God is demands accountability, we have to seek to walk a sinless life, and that our God is mighty, and that he loves us, he doesn't hate us, we are not unworthy, but we are worthy, and that we're walking in a fallen world, and he understands that, and as we turn to him more and more, we turn our authorities over to him, and we take those burdens off our shoulders. And we're able then to step in and truly be mighty. And as he calls his warriors, he calls them in different forms. When we, when we take this, it's important to, to understand because we miss a lot of details, I think, because the way the Bible is laid out and the way it's written, we miss details that are human function that I think are important to acknowledge. When you think about Joshua's army, or we think about Joshua's 600 that came in and, and found the village ransacked and the men wept. But again, we have to start thinking of what was supporting that army. How were they, where were they getting their food? Who was preparing their food? Who was sharpening their weapons? This is the greater part of the body of Christ in metaphor. And so every army needs every piece to work. And if you look across the body of Christ and you look across even the remnant that we've come to know as we re refer to Bard's Nation increasingly as a, as a part of this remnant, the tools, the skills, the abilities within the ranks are phenomenal. Not everybody's on the point of the spear kicking in the door and slaying a demon. But the thing is that everybody knows how to. Some are better at it than others, but there's some that are much better at scripture. Some are much better at preparing the meal to break bread. And as we start to come together with the strength of that, we start to realize as we look across these various agencies that God is standing up, the, these groups, it's phenomenal to witness because we're seeing the perfection of an army being risen up from the masses. An army that when brought together is bold 
And as long as we keep our focus on Jesus, we will walk side by side and not get into the pettiness of doctrinal debates. I have a fantastic testimony that came out from last weekend. And it, there is a, if you remember, we prayed for Rose and Kirby. Kirby had a, uh, which by the way, we're going to put this in our final prayer today. Kirby passed away last night. But Kirby and Rose, and Rose is the wife that called Michelle and Leah before she called 911 as her husband had a stroke. And she called them for prayer first. And Michelle and Leah went over to pray with Rose. And I believe they were joined by Pastor Devonese, if I'm not mistaken. And on staff is a chaplain. He's a Baptist. And this was a great moment because, as you may know, Baptists don't do a lot of speaking in tongues. <laughs> They're a little more worried about things like you're going to go to hell if you have a sip of alcohol and you're going to go to hell if you don't wear the right button-down shirt. I, I love Baptists, don't get me wrong. That's the church I started in, so it's all good. I'm just, I have a right to make a joke. But my point of this is that what was fantastic is as you bring in the more dynamic element of the Church of Acts, which Michelle and Leah walk in, he wasn't repulsed. He just stepped alongside. And they weren't fighting each other. They were praying together. See, that's, that's the body of Christ. And that's the beauty of this all. And it starts to show a greater understanding and appreciation for how we all walk together. So as we step into this and we walk together, we can appreciate Christ in, in the forms that fill our hearts the most, but we are all in one fight here. And it is an evil. And we can build those bridges. And we can overcome this evil in spite of the fact that it has enslaved a large piece of this nation. And our actions literally come down to fairly simple actions on a daily basis. And it always comes down to the same thing. It's the one-on-one -on -one engagement that changes the world. It's the time spent to engage somebody and simply say, God bless you. I pray for you. I make it a point of no matter where I go, whoever I interact with, I will tell them, have a blessed day. And if I have an opportunity, I'll take it further. And just that alone, you can take the hardened heart and you can make it smile. And you see it because in a day, most people don't hear somebody speaking something positive over their heart and their life. They don't have those words of life spoken over them. So I bring all this to the point here this morning, which I think is important. We need to be speaking life into people on a daily basis. And we have those tools, whether you're armed with specific scripture, whether you're just compelled to say, God bless you, whether you're compelled to say, have a blessed day, have Jesus in that message behind it in your heart. If you're going to say, if you want to say Jesus loves you, whatever it is, let them hear it from your heart, not just words, and let Holy Spirit lead it. Because we're planting the seeds. And I guarantee you, the demons don't like it.
this demonic world, the fallen world that has, seems to have come higher up in the thresholds of power, is confident now that it has, it's going to overrun God's children because it is confident that somehow God's children won't do as Job did and turn back to him. It also fails to understand the power and the metaphor of the power of the story of the 300. We'll defeat this evil. We will set these people free. Whether or not they know it is another story. So I would add that final comment. Do not go into an event with the expectation of being recognized or necessarily seeing them set free. Go in only with the hope and desire of setting a seed within them that Holy Spirit can use to grow at the right time to raise their eyes up rather than have their eyes fixated on the ground. And those moments will come when there's a great shaking. And many will not know where to turn. And this is where the greatest work has yet to come. Because guaranteed, the enemy is already waiting in the, in the shadows, waiting for that moment when they, the eyes begin to turn away from the enemy and start to turn up to the sky. And when that happens, the enemy is going to step in if we're not ready. And it's going to create the whispers that say, turn to me. Come to this new one world religion. Come to this new promise of a better economy through a CBDC. Come to me. I have something better. You don't have to carry cash anymore. We just put the mark. See, this war is only in one phase. It hasn't even got to its full breadth yet. Things are going to get a little dicey. And it's going to require those that, are, that God needs to hold solid on that rock of faith. To keep themselves anchored in the word and go deeper in it. And to know that when we're looking out here in this plurality of truth, this insanity of this world that we're in right now, that the only place we can ultimately find truth is through the word and through it to him and to hear his voice. So patriots, let's pray. And this morning we've got a couple of key prayers. Candy um, and Jim Crates is we're going to have that. And for Rose and Kirby, Kirby passed away last night. Candy's surgery this morning was postponed. It was supposed to be at 7.30 a.m. to replace the chunk of her, her skull that was removed four months ago after her stroke. She's going to have that reinstalled today. Um, and that is going to be now at 11 Central, so very 11.30 Central, about 30 minutes from now. So we're going to want to pray for her as well. Jesus was asked that you'll sit with us today. And we're just very humbled and honored. And that isn't even effective in all that we say. Humbled would be an understatement to all that's been given to us and the authorities given to us as we walk in this world and try to reclaim that place as stewards. So, Father, as we, as we pray into this today, we're going to begin with prayers of requests for healing for Candy Crates, who's now going into her final stages of recovery, a miracle story, a story of someone who was told that she would not survive, that the spell casting was put upon her that she would not overcome, and yet she has because life was prayed into her and the authorities were declared around her and over her. 
and that vigilance of doing so, led by her husband, Jim, has now brought back somebody literally from the edge of death and to restore them into the glory of who they are in this world. And so we're, we honor that beyond measure. We raise our hands in praise and we say, thank you, Father, amen. And so today as she goes into this surgery to have her, the, her skull re reattached, this is a final step in the full reclamation of the body, the mind, the soul, and the spirit. So, Father, we bless this today. We pray blessings over Candy, pray blessings over Jim. We pray life and restoration over her from head to toe and toe to head. We pray for a perfect surgery with no complications. And more than that, Father, whatever is left to be healed, let this moment be a moment of miracle, a miraculous moment of reconnecting the final piece of her to be complete so that as this happens over the coming days, all that remains to be healed will be healed. She has passed her physical therapy. She's passed her, her steps now towards healing. She's working on her speech. Let her speech be restored to the glory of heaven. And may all this bring with her a power, a blessing upon her, an anointing that will allow her now to step into the world as a voice of miracle healing and to express that in the various forms of expression that she does, be it photography, and may her photography even be blessed at the level of ministry. So, Father, we pray blessings over her, healing over her, and we declare all these things on, in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Father, today we pray for Rose, the wife of Kirby who had a profound courage, had the profound courage to call for prayer before she called 911. Kirby has, has sat in a vegetative state but stable, breathing on his own until recently. Was brought home yesterday after they removed the breathing machine from him and he was breathing on his own. And he passed away quietly in the comfort of his home. And we thank you for that. And we know that the prayers that, we had to restore the dead. It was always a crucible of one of you releasing and the person willing to come back. And it was hard to imagine at a certain point that one would want to come back to this place. And so, Father, what we pray for now is the healing of Rose's heart, a courageous wife, one who had the strength and who has loved her husband deeply and who has given herself. And so we ask for blessings upon her, blessings of healing, and the knowledge of Kirby being in the right place. And so much was done in that place. So much was done. So, Father, we pray for those blessings to pour upon them. And we pray that Rose will be filled with the memories and glory and satisfaction of a life well spent in love with her husband. And not to dwell on the negatives, which we tend to do, but intend, but now dwell on the memories of positive and coming together and walking a life together for many years. And may that emptiness be filled with Holy Spirit. And Jesus, may you show yourself to her and touch her to heal her heart and to give her strength now in a new level to take this moment in time and take her life into a level of ministry that she can express the glory of what it is to literally walk with somebody to the very end, knowing that the Holy Spirit is there the whole time and that the blessings of Jesus ride, among, ride around you and through you. And so, Father, we close this prayer today with a prayer of courage, courage for people to step in, not in the mighty way of having to fight an enemy with 
big guns and big swords, but rather that individual engagement, the most important engagement, to engage each person each day with the glory of Christ, to give a blessing to each heart that we encounter, to remind ourselves the importance of seeding and understanding that victory is over time in many of these cases, that every seed that we plant is an access point for the Holy Spirit. And so may we continue to seed out here. May we continue to sow those seeds in in big ways in every place we go and everything we do to engage each person and to bless them in each time we do, to let them know what love is like in the many different forms it comes. When we have a dispute, no matter where it is, with a stranger, with a clerk, with something, let us always sit within Holy Spirit to find the way through. It leads us to an understanding of compassion and love. And when we confront evil, let us remember the power of the word Jesus and let us speak Jesus into the heart. And let those words be spoken to stir the demons and to cast them out and to slowly waken up the darkened hearts that are that are walking truly in the desert and the of loneliness in this world. Father, we're very aware of the magnitude of the time that we live. And so with this, our prayer is to be courageous now, courageous in the small acts of courage that make a difference in the big picture of the of this war, the never to forget the individual while our minds try to look at the large picture and try to understand how the big movement movements happen on the board. Rather than focus there, let us our eyes constantly be focused on our neighbor, to love thy neighbor, and to get to the root and core of the principal message of Christ, to love one another. Raise us, guide us, protect us in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. All right, patriots. If um, if we uh, Tucker's interview, if it comes out today, I was going to do a, air an interview tonight. I've got some more uh, declaration of military accountability folks coming on. Good interviews coming up. I'm tonight's show is going to be a, unknown because it'll depend on kind of Tucker Carlson's interview, but we'll see what uh, see where he goes. It's an important interview. That man is not an influencer. He literally changes the game board because of the magnitude of influence he has across the globe. So it's his interview with Putin is coming out, and I'm going to be very interested um, to see what he does. It's supposed to be fire is what I understand. So that according to Alex Jones, but Alex Jones is Alex Jones. (laughs) Anyway, Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We're at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tonight for Bards FM. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward, by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. 
Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made. Therefore, they can be solved by man. And man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable. And we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who move forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples. It has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. Push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath. <laughs> 